Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts, Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, Wanda. you, Wanda. Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine. This is Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Samantha Graves. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. And today's episode is Movie Night! Yay! Yay. Yes, we are going to talk about Romancing the Stone, the movie that all romance writers swoon over. (laughs) And not just because it stars a realistic romance writer, although that's definitely part of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was funny because uh, they played a clip of this at... um, RWA, you know, Romance Writers of America oh, National oh, yeah, uh-huh. last year. Mm-hmm. And every, the whole audience, everyone went, oh, you know, I mean, it's just. We all uh, love it. I we know. all love it. I we know. all love it. <laughs> and that's all later in the program. But first we have wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lonnie, what are you drinking tonight? Well, because we made it into the Podcast Alley Top 10 for a nanosecond this month, <laughs> I'm drinking booze in a box all month long in Woo-hoo. celebration. Um, so last week I had the Franzia Chardonnay, which right. I still have the equivalent of like five bottles left. And I'm debating, <laughs> do I throw it out? Because, you know, it expires in February. So that's a tough personal dilemma for me. But anyway, this week I'm drinking Vendange Merlot in a Tetra Prism pack. <laughs> for those of you who have never seen these little buggers, they're a 500 milliliters, so almost a full bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And they look kind of reminiscent of those juice boxes for kids, except about <laughs> twice the size and there's no little straw on the back. Um, although that would be genius. Anyway, yes. I'm drinking the Merlot tonight, uh, which doesn't appear to have a year. But bonus, neither does it have an expiration date. <laughs> So moving on up in that respect. Um, It's from California, has 13% alcohol, costs about $5 if I remember correctly. I never remember correctly. It was either (laughs) $3 or $5, somewhere in there. Anyway, um, the wine notes are, according to the Verdange official website, website, which is uh, verdange.com, and we'll put it in the the notes. Uh, The Merlot has a classic varietal nose of tart cherries, toasty oak, and smoke. A medium plum color, it is very dry with herbal and red fruit flavors and light to medium tannins and body. A youthful wine with soft oak and medium acidity. Hmm. Sounds pretty good. There's no leather. No dirt. No stone. Always good. No butter toast. I'm thinking we're we're getting getting away pretty easy on this. But anyway, (laughs) you know, if you had poured that into a glass for me, I wouldn't have guessed that it came from a, a box. Or, cool. or a prism tetra pack, whatever that is. <laughs> and uh, this is one instance where the wine notes actually match perfectly the wine itself. It's very tart, very dry. While I usually like my reds just a tad sweeter, I have to say it's not bad. It's extremely flavorful. It's really, you know, a mouthful when you, mm-hmm. when you uh, take a sip. And I like it. I'm going to give it a Will Write for Wine rating of four glasses. Cool. I will buy it again. Absolutely. So Sam, awesome. what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I'm drinking a 2004 mm. Giacomo mm-hmm. Mori mm-hmm. Palazzone. Keep going, you can do it. <laughs> Toscano Chianti. Ah, yay! There she goes. From Italy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> can you tell I spent a lot of time in, in the Italy section of the wine store I'm this, this so. last you know, week? I feel like you're kind of rubbing my nose in it. Like here I am no. drinking booze in a box. No, no if I wanted to rub your nose in it, I would yeah. have done French wine. <laughs> Oh, I see. Well, oui, oui. put me in my place then. <laughs> <laughs> and we love the French, you know that. Oh, of course, yes. Okay. Uh, a corn- they have a, a website on the bottle that doesn't work. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't so you love sad. it? Yeah, I know. So from winecountry.com, mm-hmm. rich, dark, and chock full of black cherry fruit mm-hmm. it is an appealing and rich chianti that is refined and avoids the cynical manipulation of many modern producers what uh, honest to god cynical so, uh, manipulation of modern producers okay so i'm i'm like whoa you know what, a little uh, social you, commentary there or something on on the site but a cynical manip what i have no idea who's being cynical with their wine <laughs> No idea. <laughs> how do how do you how how are you cynical with wine? Well, are and they, the thing is, I, I mean, has have all the wines that we've been trying been cynically manipulated? I don't know. I'm I'm guessing. 
now I feel completely thrown off by that. I have to say, winecountry.com is making me feel a little uh, Isn't a little that tense. bizarre? Isn't that yeah. bizarre? Seems like yeah. there's, there's a dig. Somebody obviously had a bad experience with somebody in the wine, uh, Apparently. <laughs> wine industry, I'm guessing. Somebody <laughs> sounds a little bitter to me. You know, it's like, it's wine. I mean... <laughs> You know, it's okay. It's just cynical wine. manipulation of the wine producers. Well, yeah. Hello, yeah. I think there's some drama in the wine industry mm-hmm. going on there. Okay. Yeah, that we don't know about. So maybe somebody <laughs> right. could let us know. <laughs> maybe we're better off not. Knowing. I think there's some things I'd rather not know. That's one of you them. You know, what? I know. I'm going to choose my battles. This isn't <laughs> right. one of them. <laughs> anyway, it's sixteen dollars a bottle. Mm-hmm. And 13% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now, my notes are, this is one of the more expensive Chiantes that I've yeah. tried. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, it's very nice. Is it? Now, is it's, it in the, because um, the Chiantes, aren't they, aren't they the ones that are in like the little straw kind of thing around the bottle? Something? Yeah. They come yeah. with a little fat, mm-hmm. stubby little bottle. Is and that the people kind of stick this is? Uh, candles in them right, and they so melt pretty. all over? You see them on the walls at Italian restaurants yeah. and everything. So I is that the kind of bottle those. that no. this is? Oh, no. okay. okay. No, I it's just it's a regular Chianti wine bottle. Was I think it's one. I think it's one like manufacturer. What? Oh, producer. Oh, that's uh, manipulated. Uh, very cynical. The bottle. One. Yeah. Okay. But I have to say, it's very good. It's very smooth. And I am going to give it a 4.5 glasses. Oh, my goodness. It must be good. It's very good. So despite the cynical manipulation, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Fabulous. Good, Uh good. All right. Well, now that we know what we're drinking, we need to talk about who we love this week. Time for Mm -hmm. shout-outs, shout-offs, and announcements. Yes. My shout-out is to Cynthia for setting up uh, her very own... Whiffer Nano Group called <laughs> Whiffers Unite. It sounds like a, um, I don't know, like a British, like soccer team or something. It, or they call it football. Really, yeah, like it, yeah. Just, it makes me think of. I think Manchester United is what it makes me think of. <laughs> anyway, that's a complete aside. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was just so cool that, that really she went cool. to do that. Yeah. A bunch of people have joined, mm-hmm. and you know, so it's awesome. So according to Cynthia, to join, mm-hmm. you simply go to nanorimo.com org mm-hmm. website mm-hmm. and then you go to the forums mm-hmm. and then go to nano groups and then groups and clubs and the okay. topic whiffers unite is um listed there yeah so it's, it's like a it's like a message board more than yeah. like i don't think you click yes. to sign in a group or anything right but i mean it's right. like that's where all the whiffers can go to say hi i'm a whiffer yeah. wouldn't you yeah. like to be yeah. a whiffer to be a <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and all you have to do is post, basically. Right. So I will put the direct link uh, into the show notes. Mm-hmm. So uh, go Whiffers, unite! Right. <laughs> Yay, Cynthia. A note, though, they had the forums down the last time I checked, uh, which oh. was uh, yesterday, I think, because of mm. server issues. This always happens this time of year. Everybody's like, whoom, onto the mm. site, and uh, they never expect as many people as they get. So anyway, the forums probably are already back, or they should be back uh, soon. But if they're not up, don't worry about it. Just you know, hang on in there. It'll uh, they'll come up soon. Okay. So um, my shout out goes to Kim, a new whiffer who wrote mm-hmm. to us suggesting some great Pacific Northwest wines and reminded mm-hmm. me of a wine that I had in Alaska that I loved and I wanted to write down the name and I totally forgot. And then I came home and I was like, I, I don't know what that wine is. Um, but it's Chateau Saint-Michel Chardonnay. And ah. I'm going to hunt some down to see if I can get it for the cast. Cool. Um, Kim sent us the, the recommendation. She's like, oh, Chateau Saint-Michel. I was like, that's it. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Because I had so much Chateau Saint-Michel that night that I forgot the name of the wine. Although I really did mean to write that down. So anyway, thanks so much, Kim, for sending in that um, lovely suggestion. Um, mm-hmm. I've been killing myself trying to remember the name of that wine. And now uh, I don't have to. I just go out and find it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that covers us for shout-outs and shout-offs. We'll be back in a minute. All right. At Will Write for Wine, we take our civic responsibility very seriously. We don't want anyone getting into any trouble just because we made drinking wine look cool. So we'd like to make the following statements. We are cool. We just happen to be drinking wine while being cool. It's not the wine that's cool. It's us. And you, of course, because you listen to us and you're obviously in the top 1% of cool. So you should be happy about that. And that's it. That covers it. But the public service announcement is scheduled for a full minute. So... 
Underage people get a Pepsi. No soup for you. And if you're planning on driving tonight, put the glass down. Not worth it. Also, never pluck your eyebrows when you've been drinking. That's a handy piece of advice. Oh, and if you put a bottle of Chardonnay in the freezer to chill it quickly, set a timer. A loud timer. Trust us, the last thing you want is a bottle of Chardonnay exploding all over your veggies. And if you're over the age of 35, no drinking games. You're going to have to trust us on that one. Okay, that's it. Time's up. Just remember, it's not the wine that's cool. It's you. And we're back. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Will Write for Wine. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Time for our listener question. This question comes from Tex. Yay! And her question is, my fairy tale romance morphed into a murder mystery, and I'm okay with that, really. <laughs> Good, Tex. Way to roll with the punches. That's right. <laughs> mystery gives me a structure that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. But now I'm looking at these two characters who me and have to solve a mystery together mm-hmm. as possible series detectives. This is what's got me scratching my noggin. <laughs> <laughs> I see the series as having maybe five books, and I'd like to hit the big happily ever after mm-hmm. at the end of or near the end of book five. Mm-hmm. So what's the secret to keeping the hero and heroine apart while giving the promise that these two are right for each other and will eventually, since they're detectives, figure that out? <laughs> That's a good question. I'll tell you that. It is. Sometimes it's hard to keep the romantic tension up for one whole book, let alone yeah. an entire series. So you definitely <laughs> have your work cut out for you. Um, on the other hand, you know, you're writing a story where the focus is the mystery, not the relationship. So that definitely helps. Um, actually, I'll tell you, the best thing for you to do, I think, is watch television. <laughs> I love it when I tell people to watch television as part of their homework. It's really cool. Anyway, television writers have to deal with this kind of thing all the time, and it is a challenge. Um, Moonlighting is a great example of how to build sexual tension up, Uh, but it's not a great example of how to let it play out. (laughs) They kind of did really, really well for like two seasons and then hit a wall, and it just all went really, really, really bad. Um, The Office has a couple, Jim and Pam, who are kind of in the middle of that song and dance, so that's a good one to check out. Um, Buffy, of course, is fabulous with building up the romance and knocking it down. If you're looking for high, high tension, definitely check out that series. Um, and Whiffers, if you have any suggestions for text, leave them in the comments on the show notes. Uh, there are a ton of examples, great um, series books and, uh, and television to, uh, to get into to kind of get a feel for how this is done. Um, but what it basically comes down to is what kind of romance do you want this to be? I mean, is it a friendship that blooms into something more? Because that's something you can kind of take slowly and build over all the um, all the books. Is it an on-again, kind of off-again thing where they get together and they break up and they get together and they break up? Which gets really old after a while, so you want to be careful mm-hmm. with that. Um, is it angsty, like Buffy and Angel? Is it funny and silly, like Stephanie Plum and Joe Morelli? Uh, basically, your answer about uh, what to do lies in what kind of romantic story you're telling. Um, but with every great couple, for one book or for a series, it has to be believable, the reasons why they're not together. Um, if they're not together, there needs to be a really good reason why not that the audience can, can get into and understand. Otherwise, it just gets irritating. Mm-hmm. Um, the better your reasons for them to be apart, the more fulfilling the story will be when they overcome those obstacles and finally get to their HEA. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's a really good, really good answer. Thanks. Lonnie. Did I answer it this time? Because <laughs> I'm batting a lot like better 500 than I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> I think you nailed that one. Oh, yay. Uh, five books is a long time to keep your characters mm-hmm. apart. Um, I, I'm, I'm challenged with doing mm-hmm. it in one book you yeah, know but then again we write romances right where that's right. really the focus i mean if it's not the main story if it's a murder mystery if it's something like that i think you can uh you can pull that off a little easier mm-hmm. so. and uh like lonnie said check out tv shows to see how they handle this mm-hmm. i'd also mention um northern exposure oh right mm-hmm. and x files oh yeah mm-hmm. those yeah. are really good mm-hmm. yeah and see what they do to keep their characters apart and sometimes it's not um because they don't want to be together it's because they can't or there's something right. really big between them right you mm-hmm. know like in Buffy mm-hmm. you're yes. talking about Buffy and Angel right well she's a vampire killer and he's a vampire right which mm-hmm. makes a relationship really difficult your you ultimate know? star-crossed lovers mm-hmm. yes yes so if the stronger their conflict mm-hmm. for whatever reason and it doesn't ha- and I'm not talking conflict like oh I hate you I hate you you know that type of thing exactly. I'm talking mm-hmm. really 
um, hardcore who they are, you know, type of conflict, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the easier it will be to pull that off. Mm-hmm. So you. good luck. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Tex, for the question. To get your question on the show, email us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Now for this week's We Recommend segment. Yes, each week we recommend something, music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever that we love so we can share them with you. Sam, what you got this week? Well, this week I was a little hard up for <laughs> I, You know, it's not like I don't have good stuff happen to me. It's just that I just couldn't think of anything good to recommend. Uh-huh. So what I'm going to recommend is online shopping for the holiday season. Yay! Yes, and I thought maybe this would be a good thing to talk about because, you know, the price of gas and mm-hmm. things are so hard to find That's in stores true. and mm-hmm. da-da-da. Personally, I adore mm-hmm. Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. Target.com, mm-hmm. the robotstore.com, robot Legos.com. Can you tell I have a son, <laughs> a teenage son? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Bestbuy.com, which is fabulous, fabulous mm-hmm. uh, place. And I, very good uh, service on them. Kohl's.com, mm-hmm. you know, jcpenny.com, Godiva.com. Oh, I'll mm-hmm. tell you. Mm-hmm. And uh, OfficeMax.com okay. for your favorite for your favorite writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writers love ev- anything that's oh, yeah. stationary and office mm-hmm. goods. Mm-hmm. Or gift cards. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. another thing I love mm-hmm. to do. And I've noticed this more like at my local grocery store. Mm-hmm. They now have this whole kiosk at the end of the aisle. Yeah. And it's got all of these cards in it from all over the place right. like iTunes mm-hmm. and Kohl's mm-hmm. and Cracker Barrel and just all these places yes. so mm-hmm. you know and I'm all for the whole gift card thing oh, yeah mm-hmm. you know because I have relatives that are all over the place mm-hmm. and so it's, it's kind of hard sometimes and it's hard to but... figure out what they're going to want you know yes I mean, it's, it's always nice to do a personal gift but I'll tell you most mm-hmm. of the time I just assume yeah. get a gift card so that's usually yes what I <laughs> exactly unless I know they're really going to love what I have Right. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and, and the other thing is, some of my relatives live down south. Uh-huh. So, you know, I can't buy them a hat. Right. I can't buy them gloves. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what, you know, are what they wearing shorts? What do people do at Christmas time? <laughs> I don't what know. What do they do? I hadn't thought about that. So my goal this year is to do all of my shopping online mm-hmm. and have it delivered directly to my door. Ooh, I like it. And I figure, yep, that I will save gas and time and energy. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm online all the time anyway, so why not? <laughs> Two birds, one stone, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, well, this week I'm recommending Pushing Daisies. It's a new show on ABC on Wednesday nights. And hey, Tex, this is a really good example of sexual tension. Let me get to this just a minute. Mm. It is right now the absolute most original thing on television. It's fabulous. It's from the people who brought us the wonderful but short lived Wonder Falls. Damn you, Fox. <laughs> canceled it for 13 episodes and i'm still between that and firefly i'm just so bitter i'm so bitter with fox you know the fact that they're bringing gordon ramsay to like american television kind of helps a little bit but you know they're gonna cancel that too because it's a good show anyway (laughs) i'm trying to leave those issues uh, at the office anyway it's about a guy with a special gift um he can touch people and bring them back from the dead um, unfortunately, a second touch sends them back to the great beyond permanently, and there's nothing he can do. Um, of course, he ends up bringing back the love of his life, Tex. This is where you want to listen up. And mm-hmm. uh, now he can't ever touch her again, because if he does, Aww. she'll die. So, I mean, Aww. it is so unbelievably sweet and just, oh, gosh, it's lovely. Um, anyway, talk about a really good reason for two people to stay apart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And it's just shot in this beautiful sort of Tim Burtonish, you know, modern fairy tale style. It's just a mm-hmm. wonderful show. It's got this um, lovely uh, English narration. It's just oh, it's got it's wonderful. So far, the ratings are good, and it's not on Fox, so I think it's fairly safe to become attached uh, to this one. And I highly, highly recommend it. It's Wednesday nights on ABC. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we could use some more wine. Uh-huh. So we'll be back in a flash. <laughs> A sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. A calculating killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, now available at a store near you. 
Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is We'll Write for Wine. Sorry, I love that part. Just get very excited whenever I get to announce the name of the show. Anyway, tonight's show is Movie Night. Get out the Yay. popcorn, get out the wine. Oh, wait, we already have the wine. Yeah. Does wine go with popcorn? Silly girl, wine goes with everything. <laughs> anyway, tonight we're watching Romancing the Stone, mm. a great movie for a lot of reasons. We're going to focus on talking about the romance angle, what makes it work, and why. Right. For those of you not familiar with Romancing the Stone, mm -hmm. probably because you're too young, in which case, <laughs> maybe just nod and smile and play along anyway. All right. It's the story of Joan Wilder, a mm -hmm. mild-mannered romance writer who finds herself in the middle of a dangerous adventure in the wilds of Columbia, where she's gone to save her sister from kidnappers and ends up meeting Jack Colton, the man of her dreams. Yes. Now, I have to say, I loved this movie before I ever was a romance writer, and it's because there's a lot of really great stuff in it. Um, but now that I am a romance writer, I love it even more. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great things um, about this movie is uh, the wild, over-the-top romances that she writes, because it opens with this whole, you know, um, scene from her, the romance that she's writing at that moment, and it's completely, you know, over the top and just wild and um and then you know there's the romance that happens and you know the the real life of the movie which is still wild and over the top but you know we'll let that go <laughs> but usually i hate movies that mock romance writers but for some reason i just love this one and i think that the woman who wrote it was a woman named diane thomas i think that maybe she was a romance writer or knew some romance writers mm -hmm. or you know whatever because she just totally got it so right oh, yeah and i don't <laughs> think she mocked it no i don't think I don't so. think so and i think that's the reason why it's okay you know right. so mm -hmm. um but anyway uh we're going to start the discussion by pulling a few scenes mm -hmm. and then talking about how this is such a classic romance right mm -hmm. so the first scene i want to pull is when joan <laughs> finishes her book oh <laughs> i love this I love and she's like this is so good she's crying I and she can't know. find any tissues and she doesn't have any <laughs> toilet paper or tissues or paper towels oh, or and anything did you notice that this was before post-its because she had all the yeah. notes all over her apartment with little pieces of scotch tape <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, how old is this movie? Uh, and I remember I saw it in the movie theater, too. I mean, I remember seeing it in the movie theater, so oh my goodness. So, and it opened, like you said, with, mm -hmm. you know, her, her romance novel and all yes. that. Mm -hmm. So, um, this actually kind of sets her everyday life, mm -hmm. which is, she basically has none. She... <laughs> <laughs> she is a novelist. She's living her dreams through her books. Mm -hmm. And she has a cat named Romeo. <laughs> no, I mean, how perfectly could you set her up? I know. It's wonderful. And then when she goes, the door opens and she goes, I finished, sweetheart. And you think there's going to be a man there. And you look down, there's a cat. You know? <laughs> <It's> a cat. <laughs> it's totally great. And it sets up her regular life. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, exactly who she is when when the movie, when the movie starts. So I, right. I love that opening. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, the next scene, well, mm -hmm. not the next scene, but the next scene we're going to talk about is mm -hmm. uh, Joan has gotten the call from her sister, and she is in Colombia. Mm -hmm. She's gone to Colombia to save her sister, mm -hmm. even though she is, really has no idea what she's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Her bus is out of her depth. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Her bus has crashed, mm -hmm. and the bad guy is going to kill her, mm -hmm. and she gets saved by Jack T. Coltrane. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like in her book. Right. Mm -hmm. Except that he is no hero. <laughs> <laughs> she has to pay him $375 in American Express he, he traveler's checks. He's a woman stranded in the middle of the Colombian jungle. Yeah, he's and just going to walk gonna away. He's not going to take her to safety unless she pays him. I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Just to take her to the nearest phone. Right. <laughs> I mean,. You know, three seven three seventy five for the phone. He and won't even. Five was a lot back yeah, then. Yeah, in nineteen eighty four, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he won't even carry her suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> so here she is in her high heels and her pearls and her uh -huh. suit and everything. Oh, man. <laughs> and then and then uh, you know she's like so far behind. And he mm -hmm. asks her if there's anything in the suitcase that's valuable. She goes, "Oh, my clothes and stuff." And he takes it. And he throws <laughs> right. it over the cliff. <laughs> so. I mean, you've got such this wonderful juxtaposition between the hero that she imagines, you know, mm -hmm. and then like earlier in the story, before she goes to Columbia, there's that scene in the bar with her editor, 
you know, where she's her editor takes her out to the right. bar and they look at all the different men and she's like, mm-hmm. this one's no good, that one's no good, this one's no good. She's trying to set Joan up with somebody. <laughs> you know, and Joan's just like, oh no, I know, my, my Jesse is out there. That's the name of her hero in her book. Yeah. He's out there somewhere, you know. And she's got this very romantic <laughs> idea of the, the hero, you know. Right. And then this guy comes in and just shoots all those ideas to hell. <laughs> Which is one of the most wonderful things about this this movie is that it just it knocks down those expectations so well. It's really great. Right, mm-hmm. right. Now, the next scene I want to talk about is mm-hmm. when the bad guys show up. Right. And Jack bolts. I know. <laughs> tries to leave her behind. And he says stuff like, so did you wake up this morning and think, today I'm going to ruin a man's life? <laughs> And my other favorite, yeah. romance novelist, my ass. I know. <laughs> but I love that scene, though, because at the time when he's doing that, and he's basically, you know, like shooting at them and trying to, you know, hold mm-hmm. them off. He, um, they look behind him and there's a pre-Columbian like bridge that's just so old and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so he's like, oh, we're never going to get across that. And he's just trying to hold him off and everything. And so while he's yelling all this stuff at her, she's actually trying to go across the, the bridge. Right. And then she accidentally grabs onto a vine and goes across <laughs> and ends up in the woods. And just, I love that scene too, where the vine takes her in and just jumps her on her ass. She's just like, oh. <laughs> And then he and turns then, around and sees that. And he's like, oh, good idea. Yeah, and then he tries and he slams it to the, slams the, the cliff wall. The cliff, and and while he's to... trying to drag himself up, she's t- taking out this little bottle, little of, bottle little of little mini liquor. bottle of booze. Oh, God, and she's drinking it. <laughs> That's great. It's a really, really great scene. Oh, you know, because it shows that she's got more in her, I think, than yes. she gave herself credit for than anybody else gave her credit for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, the next one I want to talk about is mm-hmm. the night they spend in the abandoned airplane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is where they get drunk yep. and they get high because they're burning the pot. Because all they've the got fire. is pot, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is where they swap stories. They mm-hmm. kind of swap life stories. Mm-hmm. And Jack gets his first whiff of a really, really good payoff. Right. Mm-hmm. And he tries to convince her to find the treasure instead of just giving up the map. Which because is what then the she'd, ransom guys want, the map. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, then she'd have more to bargain with. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't care. Yeah. She doesn't care. All she cares about is her sister. Mm-hmm. But he does. Yeah. This could be his big payoff. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you have conflict. Right. Exactly. Because they have two different goals there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, see, up till that point, it could they could have had something going. But now all of a sudden, you know, they're pulling right. back. Right. They're pulling mm-hmm. back. So mm-hmm. the next scene I want to talk about is Joan Wilder. <laughs> Z, Joan Wilder. <laughs> I love that. Have you ever <laughs> been recognized anywhere? You know, there was one time when you were not, you and I were sitting at a table with a bunch uh-huh. of uh, other people yeah. and, and, um, and you know, I, I also write a CJ Barry. So, right. mm-hmm. but uh, at that day I was Samantha Graves. Right. Uh-huh. And then I mentioned something about my CJ oh, Barry books right. and the lady across from me looked <laughs> at me and she's, she's like, you're CJ Barry. Like, I know. Oh yeah. my gosh. Because you never really know how to cool. react to that. <laughs> I, right, right. All right, but so that was cool. That was really But that cool. really that was the was only really time cool. it's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but this scene is so great. And I love Alfonso Rao, who's oh, so yeah. fabulous. I love him. Mm-hmm. And this is where Jack discovers that there's a lot more to Joan Wilder than he originally thought. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, she surprised him by going across the bridge. She surprised him mm-hmm. when they, he was hacking through the forest with mm-hmm. a machete. Yeah. And um, and he's like, here, you take a turn. Because she mm-hmm. was like, you know, uh, on him, are we going to go any faster? Are we right. stopping or whatever? Mm-hmm. And she actually does. She yeah. picks up the machete and she starts going. So there's right. a more mm-hmm. to her. And he starts to he starts to build some respect for her. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is in the village when he learns that there's a Xerox machine in the uh-huh. hotel where he can make a copy of her map. Right. Mm -hmm. Except that she's going to take a bus in the morning and she doesn't need him anymore. Mm -hmm. So she's got her phone. She doesn't need him anymore. Mm -hmm. So what's he do? He offers to take her to dinner. Yes. And then they go dancing and then Uh he seduces her. Or Mm -hmm. does he? We're never really sure 
what well, his motives are. I think we know that he seduces her. It's just why he seduces her <laughs> yes, that we're exactly. not really sure. Because then they have this really nice tender moment, you know, and they're in bed together mm-hmm. and she's talking and she sees him. She find, you know, she actually, because she starts to see him. He saved right. her life a couple of times by this point and then he bought her the new dress and they got, took the showers and they're mm-hmm. all nice. And he and bought her a know. necklace with the heart. Right, yep. the necklace with the heart and the whole thing. And so she's starting to see him as a hero, you know, right. and so then he, she starts talking to him about, you know, how it's you know it's so great and you know she would love to see him in that boat but it's all about her sister and he's like oh yes absolutely and then you see him reach yeah. underneath the mattress <laughs> and put the mat back in her bag so while they're while they're yes! making love he's doing this on the side yeah it's so, so great because i love that his character doesn't succumb to this you know kind of hero cleft chin stereotype that he is a guy right. who's looking i mean you know he obviously cares about her i mean i think that he really mm-hmm. genuinely does you know start to yes. really like her you know and care about her but at the same time he's still he's still that guy right you know he's still into shortcuts the way that he mm-hmm. said before you know and I, I really like the way that they did that i thought that yeah. was good mm-hmm. now the next one i want to talk about is when they after they found the treasure the gem mm-hmm. they end up on opposite sides of the waterfall that they right. go they go down the waterfall and they end up mm-hmm. on opposite sides of this raging river yeah and this is after danny devito says yes. he's just using you he's been using you're a you. chump you know yes, and so yes. then they end up on the opposite sides of the river right yeah mm-hmm. and she realizes that he has been using her all along to get the gem which he now has right and mm-hmm. she has nothing well she's got the map Right, exactly, and the, and that the the kidnappers don't know because Danny DeVito is the one who knows, and he's you know mm-hmm. occupied with the guys that were chasing them. So right. you know he says, "Go take the map." They don't know that you don't that you know we have the stone. Go take the right. map and give them the map and get your sister. And she's like, "Oh great, you planned this all along." He's like, "We yeah. shot over a waterfall. <laughs> plan that." You know, and at this point, you don't know. He says he'll meet her at the hotel, but... Right. You know, but you will he or won't he? You right. just don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next one is, they're at the drop where she's supposed to swap the map for her sister. Mm-hmm. And the bad, the other bad guys, there's like yes. two sets of bad guys. Mm-hmm. The other really, really bad the guys really who killed guys her sister's husband. And, and, yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. They show up and... Um, and then a gator eats the gem <laughs> out of the guy's hand, uh-huh. well, the hand and the gem. Eats the hand, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. You know, there's guns, there's everything, you know, everybody's shooting at each other right. and everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So first, Jack goes after the gator. Right. Because the, the gator swallowed the gem. Mm-hmm. Right. Joan and her sister are pretty much left to fend for themselves. <laughs> So (laughs) yeah, so he's got the gator by the tail, and he's trying Mm -hmm. to keep it from um, dropping into the harbor. It's trying to go off the dock into Mm -hmm. the harbor, Mm -hmm. and he's afraid he'll lose it. So then, Joan yells for him as the bad guy is trying to kill her, and this is a really really bad guy. So you know it's pretty serious. Mm -hmm. And you see Jack holding onto the gator while trying to reach his rifle Mm -hmm. because he wants both. But he can't have both. Right. And he has so, to choose, which again, torture your characters, make them yes. choose. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he lets go of the gator and he goes to save Joan. And that's when you know yes. that he loves her. Yes. So that's a complete arc of the of the love story. Is mm-hmm. that when, you know, you know once he makes that choice that he loves her. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Now the next scene is when Joan is safe mm-hmm. and Jack leaves to get the gator. Right. Because mm-hmm. he knows that she's safe now, she'll be all right, and you know, and he says he says to her something like, "You're going to be all right, Joan Wilder. You always were." And That's the one line I didn't like in the movie. Yeah, you know it's that one was just handed. a little. Yeah, it's a yeah, little it was handed. I think so too. Yeah. So anyway, and he dives off the thing, and he's gone, mm-hmm. and he goes after the gator. Mm-hmm. Right, he goes after the gator because she's safe, and mm-hmm. she's you know, and she she saved herself. Well, she did. He yes. did not save her. Right. She mm-hmm. saved herself, mm-hmm. which is also part of her character arc too. It's Exactly. Mm-hmm. She was very resourceful when she's uh, um, trying to save herself from this mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. And the last scene I want to talk about is Joan has dropped off her latest story, which is their story. Mm-hmm. And she still holds hope that he'll come back. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he did choose her over the gator. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny because she is now a more confident and a stronger person. Right. You can and tell you can by tell the way she her hair walks. Is down and, and she wears her makeup better. 
Yes. Well, <laughs> that's how they always do it in all the movies. Like you can tell the woman is confident by the status of her hair. Well, also when she's walking through the city and the guys right. are trying to sell her teddy bears and, and stuff, laughing, and she's just and she's laughing and blowing them off, away you know, from the way that she was exactly. Right. Yeah. And she she walks right through them before she uh-huh. was going around them, and now right. she walks right mm-hmm. straight through. Mm-hmm. And then she turns a corner, and there's Jack in his boat. Oh, I love that. I know the boat he named Angelina. Mm-hmm for the character in her stories yeah which i just love i know and then she climbs up and he's got the yeah. boots on <laughs> uh, the alligator boots <laughs> right. that's so awesome right well i love that because of the way that it follows the romance but it mm-hmm. doesn't sacrifice either of their characters because in the end you know even once she was safe you know he loved her and everything but once she was safe man he went after that gator because that's who he is Right. You know, it's when you when you make somebody completely change and they become a completely different person because of mm-hmm. love or whatever has totally changed them that it becomes um you know, really tacky and and just not believable and you can't believe in those characters anymore. But I mean, this was great. You know, when he had to choose, yeah. he chose Joan, but when he didn't have to choose anymore, he went back <laughs> after that gator. Well, and she also chose to go back yeah. and write her right. her novels. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, she, she chose could her own life. Yeah, she chose her own life, so mm-hmm. this is very interesting, yeah. so. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. So, did you notice the wrote for Avon? <laughs> You know, I didn't the, notice it until you said posters. it. I didn't know yeah, it. In the, in the opening, they've got uh, the posters, and I saw that little Avon thing. I was like, oh, my God, she writes for Avon. But you know what's also really funny, too, is that her relationship with her editor, and I don't know how things were in the 80s. Maybe it was different in the 80s, but I know that now yeah. that is an agent-author relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they go out drinking, looking for mm-hmm. men. Well, not that I do that with my age because we're both married. But you know what I'm saying? Like, the editor-author relationship is just a little more, I don't know. Well, I guess if you've been working with one editor yeah. for a really long time, yeah, time. but would you leave your cat with your editor? I don't think so. No, I think I'd take my cat. But you know, I don't know. It's just I, the the editor author relationship. Like the, it's really the agent author relationship. Anyway, that right. Who cares? Why am I talking yeah. about that? I don't know. Anyway, that's just one of the little things I noticed. <laughs> anyway, what I think is that every writer should absolutely watch this movie because the romance is fabulous. You know, and mm-hmm. I love the way they dealt dealt with romance and built it up and everything. But there are so many things in this movie that um that are just so wonderfully done that i think every writer should really watch it and pay special attention Mm -hmm. nothing at all in this movie is wasted there are no throwaway lines there's nothing when ralph that's the uh, danny devito character and his cousin ira are talking um you see ira focusing on the crocodiles i don't know if they're crocodiles or gators i should my father-in-law i have no idea i I think they were crocs oh were they okay they could have been gators i have no idea anyway whatever they were the nasty little uh, dinosaur vestige mm-hmm. animals anyway um but anyway so you that gives ira a sense of personality like ralph is all you know we're gonna get caught we've had enough we've already done enough and he's like one more job one more job and he's always saying look at those snappers look at those snappers <laughs> and it gives that character such a great um a great sense of who he is you know that he's he doesn't worry about stuff he doesn't you know he's just he wants to do this one last job and that he's also obsessed with the with this nasty you know um animal that could kill him you know it just Mm -hmm. says a lot about that character but it's not just about him and the crocodiles because the crocodiles become or the gator whatever become very important later on Mm -hmm. in the movie so um so anyway i think that that's neat is that they used that element but they everything has serves a dual purpose you know they never they never write anything in a scene and it only serves one purpose you know everything is a multitasker which i think is a fabulous fabulous thing Mm -hmm. um you know also when the editor was telling joan that her books do very well in these macho countries you know when she's talking (laughs) about that that's a setup for later when you know alphonse rao um loves her books and reads them zoo joan wilder this is Juanita. I read her books to you on Saturdays. Oh, Juanita. And all the guys put their guns away. <laughs> but I mean, that sets that up perfectly so that when that happens, it's actually believable because it was set up earlier. But at the same time, her editor was saying that because she's talking about how the country is dangerous and Joan isn't ready to go out there. So, I mean, there's two different um, uses for that one line, which I think is really fabulous. And that's one thing that this uh, this movie does really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no time is wasted at all in the setup. In the first 20 no. minutes, we know that Joan is timid, that she's single, although there's there are no anvils. You know what I mean? Anvils. 
<laughs> and they're all over movies today. Movies today are so horrible because they're all written by like 12 different people and it's it's terrible. But um, but anyway, like there's this one point where the guy on the street is trying to sell her the monkey where she's really shy in the, in the beginning, you know, with the street mm-hmm. vendors. And he's saying, oh, your boyfriend will love it. Your boyfriend will love it. And, you know, in a movie written today, then she would say, oh, I don't have a boyfriend. And the focus would be completely <laughs> on that. And we'd be like, oh, we know she's single now, you know. Whereas what happened in there is that this is happening on the side and she's not saying I don't have a boyfriend she's saying oh I don't need that you know and then meanwhile right. while that's happening we're watching the the big bad guy break into her apartment so mm-hmm. they're and using kill the that super. moment right so they're using that moment to kind of get us two different things that are going on and so we get the we get the idea all right mm-hmm. she's single she doesn't need the monkey for kinky sex with a boyfriend so that's great but she doesn't <laughs> come out and say with the camera on her and the you know big lighting like i don't have a boyfriend you know i mean you just know that she's alone which we already knew anyway from the beginning but i think that it's nice that it's not really and malicious you know mm-hmm. um so we know that her brother-in-law is in Colombia. we know that he's dead hacked into pieces we see joan's sister get kidnapped the kidnapper set up that this is their last job they set up the crocodiles or the gators or whatever it is and we'll see the bad guy Zolo kill her super and break into her apartment right. all that in the first 20 minutes that is only 20 pages of script that's amazing it's, it's about a minute a page in scripts I mean it's unbelievable it's so impressive um, you know, and the other thing is that we're, we're talking about classic mythic story structure. Um, you know, we start in the old world with all the problems of the old world. You know, we know that she's timid, that she's single, that she can't find love. She writes about love. We know everything about her world. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's the call to action. You know, when her sister calls up and says, I need you to come out and do this. There's the refusing of the call where she says she can't go to Columbia, you know, right. and then her sister says, you know, they're going to kill me. They're going to, they're going to cut me. And then she decides she has to leave the old world for the new world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's so well done I mean there's I hope the studios go back to single screenwriters again soon Mm. one person worked on this movie and that's why it's good anyway sorry it's just my little soapbox I'll get off of it Um, (laughs) but anyway all that setup so expertly and sparely done so that when the adventure begins it can really begin you know Mm Um, another thing, like I, like I was saying before, I love how everything serves two purposes. Like when they're in the crash plane and she's berating him for not being heroic. (laughs) She's totally high from breathing in the pot that they're burning for their campfire. She's been drinking, um, you know, and that's a big moment in the romance storyline, you know, where she's, where they're fighting and there you have, you know, you've got your conflict is that he's one kind Mm -hmm. of guy. She's a different kind of person. You know, they have this complete conflict. She's talking to him about what a true hero is, what a true hero does. And, you know, he's just this total mercenary. And then he's not even looking at her. She starts yelling at him because she's like, would you at least have the common courtesy to look at me when I'm talking to you? Meanwhile, there's a poisonous snake behind her that she doesn't know about. He takes out his machete and cuts it in half and saves her life, which is a heroic thing to do that he does while she's berating him for not being heroic. So then we see that there's, you know, I mean, instead of saying, I'm totally heroic, look at how I saved your life, look at how I did this, blah, 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 you know, instead he just quickly takes the knife out, saves her life, and we see that he has hero qualities. And so does she, you know, so that's Mm -hmm. a big turning point for them, you know, in that moment. But um, the biggest thing, though, that I love about this movie (laughs) is the simple symbolism. You know, and what I mean by simple symbolism isn't that, you know, Juan's little mule car stands for the desperation of man or like anything obtuse like that. I'm not real good with that kind of symbolism. I find it a little bit pretentious. Um, But what they've got here is um, just beautiful, simple symbolism, little things that represent what's going on internally with the characters so that we don't have to have it again with the anvil beat over your head. But you have like these little moments that kind of show things like, um, for instance, the opening, Joan has all these little tiny bottles of booze i love it (laughs) she's got all these airplane bottles of booze um you know she will not cut loose and buy a whole bottle instead she's got like 20 little tiny ones you know (laughs) and uh, she keeps her life so that you know shows you she keeps her life in these tiny little manageable segments you know she Mm -hmm. never really cuts loose and gets wild and drinks a whole bottle um she can never get them open also which is really cute and funny i mean you notice in the beginning how she's got like the pliers and she's trying to get it open she can't get it open And it's a really cute and funny moment right in that really great opening. But it also Mm -hmm. serves a purpose later. Um, When they're in the crash plane, Jack offers her a huge, big, life-size bottle of booze. And she takes it and drinks. 
So it's the first time you actually see her drinking from a full big bottle, right? Right. You know, so that's a big moment for her. But then in that exact same moment, we see she still can't open the jar of olives. (laughs) She's taken a step in her development, but she still hasn't gotten all the way. Um, And then toward the end, when they find the statue that the gem is hidden in, she's the one who figures out how to get it open and get the treasure. But she still isn't the one who opens it. That's Jack. Mm-hmm. Then at the end, it's Jack that gets the crocodile open to get the stone. Now, it bugged me a little that Joan never actually opened anything for herself. Well, um, she did. When did she open anything? After she swung across the vine, yeah, across the river, she oh she she got she opened she got her out a little, little bottle. bottle. She couldn't open it. He took it from her and opened it. Oh no! I thought she was drinking it. Did she get it open? I thought she did, but after yeah, that, I thought, I thought did, he took but, it from okay. her. I thought he took it from her. She was trying well, to get it open. Well, he did take it from her. Oh, but maybe I think she, she took did. it from maybe her to, to finish it. it. Okay. Yeah. Well, then she did finally <laughs> open the little one, which is good. Yes. But she still couldn't yes. open the jar of olives. <laughs> and then at the end, you know, Jack goes um, and gets the crocodile open to get the stone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I mean, it kind of bugged me that she didn't have a big, like, I, even though yeah. she was the one who figured out that the stone was in the thing, I would have really loved it more if she had been the one. If she, rather than saying, oh, Jack, I used the statue where she would like smash it and mm-hmm. he would, you know, and then he would be like, what? And then she could explain. But right. I, would, I would have loved to have seen her open it. But in the end, though, actually, mm-hmm. I think what that what that did was that, you know, she knew how to do it. But Jack was the one to open it. It's kind of showed their partnership. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a right. symbolism for their partnership and that he could open things for her. You know, simple things like that can tell you so much about your character without you having to beat anyone over the head with anything or, mm-hmm. you know, say things straight out like, oh, look at me. I can never open a bottle, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's just so <laughs> many ways that little simple things like that can be placeholders in your story for something that means so much more. Right. And so that's one of the things that I love. I'm so glad mm-hmm. we watched this movie right now because it's such I a great know. example of all the things that I want to do in my writing. And it's not easy. It's not easy to remember all this stuff. I mean, you talk about it. It's like, oh, this is so great. I love the way it's done. But when you're actually writing something Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of think about everything in that way, I mean, it's really hard. So I'm I'm so glad I watched it right now before I'm about to, you know, really dive hard into another book. Right. So that I can kind of think about all those things, like what I can use for placeholders for what it is that I'm trying to get across. Right. So I think that that's a really good thing. I love it. Well, and we both watched this movie today. Right. Because it had been a long time since I'd seen it. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was very nice to, and I'd forgotten, as I'm watching it, I'm like, God, I forgot what a good movie this I was. I know, me too. I mean, I thought that, because, you know, I originally saw it when I was a kid. I was like, you mm-hmm. know, 13 or 14 or something when it came out. And um, I really, really loved it when I was a kid, but I, I loved a lot of really bad movies when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> So I thought, oh, I just loved it because, you know, I loved it when I was a kid or whatever. And then as I'm watching it today, I was like, this is such a well done movie. And I could really analyze was. all the reasons why, which I wouldn't have been able to do before. Right. So I really right. enjoyed it on that level. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, because, you know, when you love a movie and you watch it years later and you're like, oh, wow, that's crap, you know, mm-hmm. and you can't enjoy it anymore the way that you first did. Well, I, I just love that this movie stands up. Yes, you know, so yep. I, stands I, I, the test of time, even yeah. after at 1984. So it's 23 years old, I and know. it's still a great movie. It is. It's fabulous. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, it's time for more wine. I think so. <laughs> we talked a lot. We're, we did. we're parched. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Flynn Daly needs a drink. Under pressure from her father, she's agreed to move out of her South Boston neighborhood and run the inn left to her by her dead aunt problem it's in the middle of upstate new york where there's nature and bugs and no public transportation cute bartender keeps giving her attitude and she's getting visits from her aunt esther even though she's dead jake tucker needs a break he's sure that esther goodhouse was murdered but he can't find any proof if cozying up to esther's niece gets him the information he needs so be it But once he gets close to Flynn, he decides that some investigations are more fun with a partner. Crazy in Love by Lonnie Diane Rich. In stores now. Thanks for coming back. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is We'll Write for Wine. (laughs) My favorite part, I'm telling you. The whole week I wait for that moment. Want to win some great prizes? Yeah. 
Of course yeah. you do. Head on down to WillRightForOne.com <laughs> and give us some feedback. We're looking for questions, wine suggestions, or just general commentary on the show. Really, we're not picky. Mm-hmm. Each month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. At the end of the month, we'll pull a name out of the bucket to win a fabulous prize. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is a little enthusiasm. The end of For a long October, week. I know it has been mm-hmm. a long week. Mm-hmm. For October, we are giving away a signed copy of "Crazy Love" by Lonnie Yay. Diane Rich. Woo! And your very own, or our very own, will write for wine refrigerator magnet. Right now, Which it's are ours. So it could cool. be yours, though. Yeah, it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How cool is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> so my turn. There we go. Very. It's very cool. So it's right there in the script. All you have to do to enter is send us email at feedback at com or comment on the website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We will announce the October winner on our first November show. So send in your comments and suggestions now. Right. And up next, we have the weekly Okay, do we get worse at that every week or better? I don't know. It's like the only singing portion of the show, you know? Oh, is that singing? Are we supposed to be singing? Well, it's because we kind of hold it, so mm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not yeah, so much. maybe we shouldn't have the singing portion of the show. <laughs> so Sam, how'd you do this week? Well, I signed up for Nano. Yay! Yay! I love listening to last week's episode, too. <laughs> you were like, you wanted to do it, and I was so like, What? I listened to it. I've never, like, heard myself genuinely surprised before. (laughs) (laughs) I was really surprised. I actually kept it a secret right up to that moment. Because you know me. I have such a hard time doing that. Never would have occurred to me. I mean, like, I never would have guessed in a million years that you would be doing nano. I am so excited about this. You have no idea. Uh, Well, and of course, I found out I might get revisions or uh, uh, copy edits right in the middle. So we'll see All how right. it goes. Yes. Yep. Yep. Never <laughs> fails. Um, I figured out some of my nano book. Mm-hmm. I did more revisions, and Lonnie helped me with the back cover copy for Out of Time, which is some fabulous back cover copy, if I do say so myself. It I was think we really made good. A really good team. Yeah, I think we so too. We worked together on that. We pulled mm-hmm. it together, and I think it was really some yeah. fine work. So I'm it was happy excellent. With that. Excellent. <laughs> so, and that goes on your list too. So. <laughs> oh, 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 good. I get credit because I didn't do anything else this week. Um, <laughs> I signed up for Nano. Did some Yay. work on a book. Um, did some of my part-time side job. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, I'm getting ready to go to Ohio for a convention all next week. So I'm uh, very excited about that. That'll be fun. all next week I get to hang out with some really, really good friends that I haven't seen in a really long time. I'm very, very excited. Awesome. Um, but uh, aside from that, I'm really glad you're giving me credit for your back cover copy. Because, uh, <laughs> I did some back cover copy. Woo-hoo. That's 172 <laughs> words, I believe, when it came down to it. So Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and now it's time for this week's Random Etc. segment, where we do whatever we feel like because it's our show. This week, we're going to do our five favorite quotes about romance and love. Staying oh, on theme. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. Okay, I'll start. Okay. Yeah. I'll start. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite. Romance is dead. It was acquired in a hostile takeover by Hallmark and Disney, homogenized and sold off piece by piece. Matt Groening, who's the creator of The Simpsons. I don't know if that was like from an episode of The Simpsons or if it was something that he actually said, but at any rate, it's really funny. It is funny. (laughs) Mine is sometimes the heart sees what is invisible to the eye. H. Jackson, Jackson Brown Jr., Jackson Brown. Jackson. Is that yeah. the singer? Isn't there a singer by the name Jackson Brown? <laughs> Not the same guy, right? Okay. okay. No, I doubt it. Mm. <laughs> All right. How about love is the triumph of imagination over intelligence? H.L. <laughs> Mencken. Can you tell who's the wise ass here? <laughs> it's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, uh, you know, sincere mm-hmm. here pretty soon. Okay, go ahead. All right. Mine is, you can't blame gravity for falling in love. Albert oh. Einstein. Oh. <laughs> I thought I that was hysterical. It, but, oh, that is cute. You can't blame gravity for falling in love. <laughs> that is cute. All right. So my next one is, uh, true love comes quietly without banners or flashing lights. If you hear bells, get your ears checked. Eric Siegel. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Uh, Mine is forget love. I'd rather fall in chocolate. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Author anonymous. (laughs) You're a wise ass, too. See, it's not just me. (laughs) 
I like it. <laughs> All right, my next one. Love is a smoke made with the fume of sighs, being purged, a fire sparkling in lovers' eyes, being vexed, a sea nourished with lovers' tears. What is it else? A madness most discreet, a choking gall, and a preserving sweet. Mm-mm. William Shakespeare. Cool. You know, I'm not talking in verse for anybody uh, but Shakespeare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love him. I mean, I know it's totally cliche and stupid. Everybody loves Shakespeare, but I love mm-hmm. Shakespeare. <laughs> Love him. Right, Mine is love doesn't make the world go round. Love is what makes the ride worthwhile. Oh, Franklin P. Jones. Oh, isn't that nice? I like that, that one. That is nice. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, love is not altogether a delirium, yet it has many points in common therewith. <laughs> Thomas Carlyle. <laughs> How true. How very true. I like it. Uh, and my last one is, nobody has ever measured, even poets, how much a heart can hold. Aww. Zelda Fitzgerald. Oh, I love that. It's very that nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Now I'm all inspired. And <sighs> I know. Happy. Yeah. yeah. That's very nice. <laughs> of course, it could be the wine, too. But, you know, whatever. It's probably the wine. <laughs> <laughs> and that takes care of this week's random etc. It's time for a refill. We'll be even happier when we get back. Well, the show's almost over, and I'm sure you're really sad about that. But now you don't have to wait another week to hear from Sam and Lonnie, because we've got websites open 24-7 and ready when you are, morning, noon, or night. For Lonnie, be sure to stop by the newly redesigned LonnieDianeRich.com, where Lonnie's latest books and news will be regularly updated. Right, Lonnie? Also, don't forget to drop by dogsandgoddesses.com, where Lonnie is collaborating live on the web with New York Times bestsellers Jennifer Cruzy and Ann Stewart. It's like a reality show with writers, which is really much more interesting than it sounds. So check it out. For more information on Sam, click your way on over to samanthagraves.com for her latest news and giveaways. I think she's better about updating. Yeah, that's right. There are also links to her blog her MySpace page, and the website for her alter ego, C.J. Barry, author of award-winning futuristic romances. And don't forget to stop by at willwriteforwine.com for links to our joint MySpace page, our cafe press store, and all the cool things we talk about during the show. By the time you're done with all that, we'll be back in a new podcast next week. Everybody plays and everybody wins. Well, it's time for last call here at Will Write for Wine. Thanks for hanging out with us. Right, keep sending in those wine suggestions to us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or leave them in the comments on the website. Send good wine suggestions to Sam. Me. Send cheap wine suggestions to me. Lonnie. <laughs> also, don't miss our cool Cafe Press store where you mm-hmm. can get all sorts of fun Will Write for Wine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There we go. How long that have we been doing this? That verbal sobriety test. <laughs> We're not changing the show title. Right. We'll write for wine merchandise. <laughs> Wasn't there one night where you called it wine chindice? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I swear I remember that, but I, I like can't that. remember what. I might, wine I might just put that in there. We might just, just so I change can, it for good. Yeah. We'll so write for wine chindice. <laughs> All right, I'll drink. You can finish. Okay. Uh, check out our new items like the wine notes book and the refrigerator mm-hmm. magnet and the really cool mouse pad. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they make very nice Christmas or holiday gifts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. The link can be found in the right-hand column at the website at willwriteforwine.com. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley. Your votes count new every month. So if you voted in September, you can vote again now. And you guys yes. have been. You're so cool. I know. We're still at 35. I know. Don't think we don't go there every oh, day. every day. Like, at oh, least once a day. And yeah. every time you guys do a little sweet comment down at the <sighs> bottom, we just We, like, email excited. each other. Did we you do. see the latest comment? Did you see somebody who says something nice about us? <laughs> we love you people. Our entire feeling of self-worth is in your hands. No pressure. Anyway. That's right. <laughs> And you can always review us at iTunes, no matter what mm-hmm. month it is. Yeah. But even better than votes, blogging. Our Word mm-hmm. of the Blog contest did a lot of good for getting our name out there. So if you have a blog, give us a mention. The more popular we become, the more cool you are for getting it on the ground floor. That's right. <laughs> 
And there's no show next week because mm-hmm. Lonnie will be out of town. All right. So our next show will be the week after that, and it is on writer head games, <gasps> i.e., but I suck. But I suck. I can't mm. wait to do I know, that show. I know. You've been waiting for you this one. You know, I've been chomping at the bit for that uh-huh. one. <laughs> I'm a little afraid. <laughs> we will probably fight. Because we always fight when we talk about this. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> Just trust me, I'm going to make you work for it. Anyway, it's all about making time to write. You deserve it. How to deal with people in your life who aren't supportive. All the kind of stuff mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, the, the mind the negativity. gunk that gets yeah. in your head as a writer and specifics. So it's kind of like the, you know, if, you, if you're a writer having psychological problems dealing with writing, then this is the show for you. <laughs> if, you have, if you're not a writer and you've got psychological problems... This maybe, is not the show for you. Maybe see a professional. <laughs> and if you are a writer and you have psychological problems, then you're just like every other writer yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. So we're all completely yeah. nuts. We can help you there. Right. You are not alone. <laughs> if nothing else, you will know you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> so until next time, this is Sam. And this is Lonnie saying if you can't write for money. Then write for wine. All right. Woohoo. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> We'll Ride for Wine is brought to you each week by Lonnie Diane Rich and Samantha Graves. Be sure to hit the website at willwriteforwine.com where you can find great links to everything in the show, news about what the girls are up to, and links to great cafe press merchandise like t-shirts, hats, and mugs. I like the apron myself. Also, don't forget to friend them on MySpace at myspace.com slash willwriteforwine. Music provided by the good folks at the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and go vote for Lonnie and Sam at Podcast Alley or write a glowing review at iTunes. Remember, there's good karma out there. Vote for them at Podcast Alley. Come back next time as Johnny Depp's soulmate or perhaps Colin Firth's. Mmm, ring any bells? Or, you know, the, the soulmate, whoever does it for you. You get the point. Anyway, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on Will Write for Wine. Down on my caffeine consumption. So when I get up, I just have one cup of coffee and I like to have another cup of coffee with my breakfast. And on the way to work.